0: This time on episode 441 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, episode three, The People versus Emile Blonsky, weekly Marvel news, including Marvel Studios hiring an official MCU timekeeper, the fate of Ms. Marvel's clandestines, and Marvel paying a heavy price to use X-Men's The Animated Series iconic theme song, and your feedback including a listener helping us find Orphan Black.
1: I'm S.P. from Better Podcasting, a show dedicated to help make your podcast better. And it is part of the Gunny Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other insightful and wonderful geeky shows at GunnyGeekNetwork.com.
2: You have been granted clearance by Director Alfonso Mack McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified
2: and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director.
3: Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle.
1: I'm Agent Chris. I'm Special Counsel Anthony. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Saturday, September 3rd, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast core TV wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch
3: on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of wet-ass parole hearings.
0: If you would like to discuss the uh, liquid level of a parole hearing, you can visit our website at LegendsOfShield.com.
4: If you would like to prove to us that you are not whatever Lauren just said, leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's
3: 844-843-2871. If you would like to send us all of your favorite Megan the Stallion gifts, you can find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: After falling down the Megan the Stallion YouTube hole, you can find us at youtube.com slash
4: If you just really need to share some related not-safe-for-work content, get those spoiler tags ready and head on over to the Discord at gunageek.com
3: Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnyGeek.com network. Yes, and we have two new shows on the network.
1: They're actually the same show, just flipped around week to week. One is Smoking and Drinking in Space, and one is Smoking and Drinking in Capes. One is sci-fi, one is comic book stuff. They're done by Jason and Rob. You can find it at GunnyGeek.com. Anthony, thank you very much for joining us again.
2: It's good to be back. I always appreciate a good near-spit take early in the morning while recording, Uh, and it's happened twice so far in the span of about 10 minutes, so I can only imagine how much better it's going to get as we go on.
1: Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and by the way, I'm just going to get this out in the open right away. Before this episode, I had no idea who Megan the Stallion is, so I'm just guessing I'm going to need representation if I'm ever in the room with her. Can I put you on retainer for that? Sure. Okay. All right. So we have a packed episode to talk about. We have a little bit of controversy to talk about, and we have a lot of fun to talk about. So we're talking about She Hulk, the latest episode. You guys ready?
0: Yes.
4: Let's get to it. Let's do it.
0: She
1: Hulk Attorney at Law, episode three, premiered on Disney Plus Thursday, September 1st, 2022. The episode was titled The People vs. Emil Blonsky. She-Hulk represents Emil Blonsky, a.k.a. The Abomination, but his parole hearing doesn't go as planned. That was the IMDB description.
0: Michelle, who directed the episode? Well, just like the first two episodes, this episode is directed by Kat Poro and 30 directing credits since 2007.
3: All right, we have a couple of new writers for this, Lauren. So the first writer is Francesca Gales, who has eight writing credits since 2011, including six of The Enemy, The N in Me, one of On My Block, though so she was on there 10 times as a staff writer, one of The Tick, Punky Brewster, the 2021 reboot. She was the story editor for nine episodes and one episode of She Hulk Attorney at Law. And the other writer is Jacqueline Gales. Who has three writing credits starting in 2019, including The Enemy, the N in Me, where she was a production assistant for six episodes, On My Block, 10 episodes as a staff writer, Hunky Brewster, the 2021 one, nine time executive story editor, and this episode of She Hulk Attorney at Law.
1: And the showrunner remains Jessica Gow. We have an exclusive here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. just to prevent us from going. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. We do a synopsis of what happened in the episode, and this is no different
0: than any other time. Michelle, why don't you
1: start us off this week?
0: Jen questions Emile about being the abomination and an underground fight. Nikki's internet savvy gets Wong's attention. Break for the best fourth wall moment so far. Jen's driving, looks at us, reminds us that this isn't a cameo of the week show. Really, it's not. Don't forget this show is about me, Jan Walters, a.k.a. She-Hawk.
4: Montage of news reports as Blonsky's parole, gossip about Jen, and internet trolls. Nikki tries to convince Jen that she has to take over the narrative. But to make Jen's day worse, Dennis from the DA's office brings a case to the Superhuman Law Division because he got defrauded by a shape-shifting light elf from New Asgard. Dennis thought he was dating the real Megan Thee Stallion. Pug gets the case.
3: Wong has no concept of doors as he portals in. Wong verifies Blonsky's story. He extracted him from prison against his wishes because he needed a worthy opponent. Blonsky refused Wong's offer of freedom. All Jen needs Wong to do is to show up to testify and not to try to change the memories or of people or send people to the mirror dimension.
1: Or the shadow dimension, either. At the parole hearing, Emil states that he is reformed, plans to start a meditation retreat, and will be financially supported by his penpile soulmates, Blair, Ruth, Marta, Sheila, Alexandra, Yvonne, and Nicolette. Blonsky started a literacy program, leads guided meditation, and helps a guard through a bad marriage. In dramatic fashion, Wong appears, verifies Blonsky's story, and dips before being arrested for abating and abetting in a crime. Emil changes into the abomination. Jen uses the incident to argue that Emil has control and wants to be a productive member of society.
2: Runa, the shapeshifting elf, tries to claim diplomatic immunity and to give Thor's, well, really, Heimdall's speech about Asgard being its people, but the judge allows the case to go to trial. And at the trial, Jen testifies about how delusional Dennis can be. Yes, he really would believe that award-winning megastar Megan Thee Stallion would give him the time of day. So, thanks to Jen's testimony, Dennis gets his $175,000, and Runa gets jail time for impersonating the judge.
0: Blotsky is paroled. The terms include Emil being prohibited from turning into the imbomination indefinitely, and to wear an inhibitor in perpetuity. Any violation will send Emil back to prison. Jen takes Nikki and Emil's advice and does an interview. The interview focuses on her name, diet, and exercise.
4: On the way home, Jen is grabbed on the street. First, she's afraid because she's Jen and little, but then she remembers that she's also Hulk and big. Her attackers who claim to have stolen equipment from an Asgardian construction worker, get their butts kicked because, you know, Jen's she Hulk. That's what she does in the van Thunderball can't get a sample of She-Hulk's blood, which will make the boss mad. After picking up her files, Jen sees herself as She-Hulk.
3: And then, in the mid-credits scene, Megan the Stallion becomes Jen's new client. They celebrate with a twerk-off.
1: In the office. Absolutely.
3: We're going to talk about first thoughts of the episode. Lauren, you get to go first. I really loved this episode. It felt like it really gelled for me. Even if I was yelling at the very beginning,
0: eyes on the road,
3: during the fourth wall break.
0: This was a laugh out loud funny. Megan the Stallion in the MCU. I wonder how they got her past the censors because she's not safe for work. That's all I'm going to say. If you are someone that needs to avoid that content, make sure you have your safe search on, I guess.
4: That's why I have my speakers specially placed at my desk at work, so that I can listen to whatever I want and nobody else hears it. But this kind of fun is how I've expected this series to be the whole time. I knew we might get an episode or two of world building and character building and stuff to get going so people can get caught up if they're not familiar with She-Hulk from the comics. But I really hope that this amount of fourth wall breaking and having fun with everything is what we're going to get for the rest of the series.
2: So I thought this was a fun episode. I do appreciate the quick resolution of the Blonsky story. This isn't something that dragged out for an extended period of time, but there still are a lot of unanswered questions and things that have been set up through the first three episodes that I'm hoping that we'll get some resolution to as we advance through the season.
1: I like the story, the acting and the characters, and it continues to have me engaged. I look forward to seeing it on screen every week. And we're going to talk about the screen visuals a little bit later. But that's not where we're going to start. We're going to start with the parole hearing, everything about it. And since we have a special counsel with us, I thought it was appropriate to start with Anthony talking about the parole hearing.
2: Well, again, I think I've said this in prior episodes. I'm not a criminal attorney. I have very limited trial experience and so my knowledge of exactly what goes on in a parole hearing is limited to my what I can recall from taking criminal procedure about 15 years ago in law school. But I thought this was fairly straightforward. I didn't notice anything that was necessarily horrible or outlandish in terms of the presentation. Obviously Jen is going to want to present character witnesses to explain how Blonsky has been rehabilitated and how he is going to, in theory, be a model citizen when he gets out of prison. I was a little surprised at how blatant the parole board was when the hearing started that the one parole board officer said, well, we've all seen the footage of the breakout, so I imagine this is going to be pretty quick. Basically dismissing the possibility that there are any extenuating circumstances or Outside influences there. So I thought that was a bit odd. The other thing for me was just I like the presentation of Blonsky as a model prisoner. Just for me, it doesn't jive with his prior appearance in The Hulk as far as characterization is concerned. I'm not really sure that that would be something that he would do to go quite so far as to be all of that model prisoner. I think some of it may have been just uh, putting on airs or this presentation of. Yes, I'm wonderful and I'm doing all this and that, and I'm going to go live with my harem of women that I've all duped through the prison pen pal program. So I'm just the characterization of Blonsky seems a bit off, but there wasn't really anything about the parole hearing itself that struck me as inaccurate.
0: I want to believe his transformation. Tim Roth is enjoying this version of Emil Blonsky. The I have found spiritualism, namaste. If you look at his soulmates, they all have flower wreaths on their hair and they're dressed like Greek goddess Toga garb. It's just very peaceful and silly at the same time. And I'm here for it.
1: Now, Chris, at the parole hearing, we get the appearance of Wong. Now, I have my thoughts on whether he was actually there with everybody else. He was always shot off to the side, so I think they did his shots not with everybody else. But in the episode, he's right there. What do you think about him in the parole
4: board? I think that him as a character witness, while, yes, it's cool that you have the Sorcerer Supreme there, he's also breaking in. And he's breaking back out, and he's just running away after the parole board tells him that, that he's going to need to be arrested and everything. And as good of a character witness he could have been, I think he might have blown his credibility a little bit by not just walking in like a normal person.
0: But he's not just the Sorcerer Supreme. He was also a librarian and an employee at Target for nine years. I think all of those qualifications give him the permission to go in and out whenever he feels like it.
4: Nobody is above the law.
0: So I actually really liked
3: that whole, you know, Wong just kind of being like, oh, hey, I'm out because he is basically in a different world that has completely different set of rules. And honestly, I think that only helped Blonsky's case because they can see how little regard this guy has for their silly little laws. He pops in, he says what he needs. When he's told, hey, there's consequences, he's like, I must go, my people need me, portal away.
2: I definitely appreciate the Poochie reference, Lauren. You get bonus points with me for that. Yeah, it just it gives as Lauren said, it gives credibility to Blonsky's case that I didn't want to do this, but here this guy who clearly flaunts the rules and thinks he's above everybody else, dragged me out, made me fight. And then I wanted to come back because I am that model citizen. I am a model prisoner. And this proves how much I've reformed.
0: And at least he didn't put everybody in the mirror dimension. If any of you watch how this should have ended and you do a lot of the Marvel ones, one of the biggest uh, bits, the recurring bit. Is the obvious use of Wong, how Marvel has forgotten Wong, because for example, in Infinity in their Infinity War one, where this that big fight's supposed to happen, Wong, they have Wong portaling in, looking at all of those troops and going, mirror dimension. And all of the enemies go to the mirror dimension and he goes, Wong, and then he portals away. And it's there a lot. So, having him go in, uh, pitch sorcery situations to Jen, except for erasing Memory, he knows how the bad that is. But offering to put everybody in the mirror dimension, in the shallow dimension, it just brought that back to me. They're amazing, especially when they're talking about also if you were about like, you know, Dr. Strange is like, oh, there's only one and possibility. And everybody's like, well, actually, there's five. And, and one of them's Wong. So it's just it made me laugh on another level. The whole arc of Wong story in this episode. I'll just point out that she
1: was hired to practice as She-Hulk. Now, whenever she's in the law offices, she's She-Hulk. But in the courtroom, it's okay for her not to be She-Hulk. I'm a little bit confused as to what the bounds are on what her terms of employment
3: are. I have an idea about that. So we see her in the prison as Jen and not She-Hulk. And I think, well, you see the reaction of the parole board. I think there's probably a whole thing of, hey, you're not allowed to use your superpowers in here. And I don't know. That's how I was writing it in my mind anyway. It's explicitly stated like Sid, that. Yeah, last I was going to say, yeah, in,
2: in the prior, uh, I think in the first episode or the second episode, when she first goes to Blonsky's thing, they say, no powers. You have to be human. It's They're very clear on that. That was explicitly stated in a prior episode.
1: As she's walking in and out of the Supermax, though, she's Jen Walters. She's But not she knows she.
0: She knows she has to be Jen Walters since they told her before no superpowers. She knows, well, I can't be She-Hulk, so might as well be Jen walking in and walking out so I don't have to worry about my wardrobe. And then I imagine you're going to talk about Dennis's trial. Please note, they called Jen Walters to the stand and they wanted to talk about her time with Dennis at the DA's office, which is before she was She-Hulk. She was not representing the superhero law section of the law firm when she is the head of the superhero law division. And when she's doing those cases, that's when she has to be She-Hawk. All
1: right. Let's move on to another topic of the trial or the parole hearing. The seven pen pals.
3: Okay. So I loved that. I kept thinking, like, okay, we need an Avengers or a Marvel and Love After Lockup crossover stat, which I guess could also hear crossover with Sister Wives. Basically, I'm saying that Discovery would have a gold mine in the MCU. But what really cracked me up there is in the end credits during all the, the sketches as the credits are rolling, we see Emil on the prison bus being taken to wherever and waving at the soulmates who are crying in the background. Now there's two options here. One is that he abandoned him. The other is that they just said, Hey, you can't drive. You can't ride with us. You're not a prisoner. I guess there could be a third option, but I'm not sure what that is.
1: Okay. I just am trying to scratch my head and think about where this is going. I don't think this is the last time we've seen the abomination. The, Terms of his parole were very, very strict. I just don't see him abiding by that. See, something's going to happen that's going to turn him to an abomination, and he's going to be forced there. Also, Wong's going to end up in prison at some point in time, or at least they're going to try
3: to put him in prison. Of course, he'll just teleport out. But Would the Sorcerer Supreme have diplomatic immunity since he is technically the leader of a foreign state? In Kammerthash,
1: maybe he has diplomatic immunity in there, but as the judge stated, this is not there. Of course, he's talking about New Asgard, but I don't know. <sighs> well, all things that we'll see into the future.
3: Yeah, let's face it. Most of what I know about diplomatic immunity comes from Lethal Weapon Two.
1: Fun story. I've actually have had a diplomatic passport in the past. They're black. They're controlled by the State Department. You don't get them. There you go. In other news here, we have a lots of fourth wall breaking. They continue to do that. Chris loves the fourth wall breaking. Chris, how would you rate? We got to come up with a rating because I think we're going to get these in all nine episodes. So how would you rate the fourth wall breaking in this episode?
4: Okay. First off, how can you only think we're going to get them? Because this is She-Hulk. And when you break the fourth wall, do it. Does that count as me breaking the fourth wall because I had a meta comment there? Listeners, let us know. I don't have a good rating system, but I do really love this one. I do agree with Lauren. I am a big fan of yelling at people to keep their eyes on the road when they're not driving, but driving on screen. But if you can ignore that part, then I really loved this one because once you start hearing, oh, look, Megan Thee Stallion's going to pop up in this one. Yeah, that's a little bit of a concern, because so far, we've had a bit of a cameo in every single episode from somebody. And so, oh, hey, I'm going to break the fourth wall and just instantly shut that down and then have doubts about it. Because remember, this is my show. It's about me. It's not about all these cameos that are definitely not the point of happening. We do got to come up with a rating system, though, because this is definitely something that's going to keep happening throughout the entire series. I think
2: this episode definitely had the funniest fourth wall breaks, especially my favorite one was Jen in the bar sliding in and going, connecting the A and B story. Nice. And then just very subtle commentary. I also, I don't know if we're going to make this a separate thing, the comments on the various videos. Are we going to discuss that or is that going to be a,
1: I wanted to slow-mo them and get the user IDs and the comments, but I wasn't able to. Were you able to do that?
2: No, I didn't, but I did read. I was able to read the comments themselves and then somebody did screen cap them and put them alongside comments on the Marvel Instagram from when the She-Hulk show was announced back three years ago or so. They basically pulled directly from the actual comments on Marvel's real Instagram page. They may have given them new usernames, and they made them TikTok comments and not Instagram comments, but it's the same same exact vibe, same exact comments.
1: Touché, Marvel. Touché. We had a few other things happen. We're getting all these cameos, as Jen Walters actually says in the fourth wall break there. We got... A character that just showed up very briefly that I'm kind of surprised has not had more screen time. It's Mallory Book. We had the appearance, but nothing more than that. So, Michelle, what's the importance of Mallory Book?
0: Mallory is from the comics. She ends up being like a little rival at the law firm for a bit. I like how she was introduced. It was this spot of her coming in, Dennis being a jerk, and her going, yeah, thanks for not having me do this. You don't drop someone like that in and then abandon them. I think this is, again, what they did with Titania. I think it's one of those, we're getting a drop here and it better pay off. I'm hoping it pays off later on but she is from the comics and yeah
3: so i like as we were sitting here just had a thought on the use of cameos what's another law show that is arguably the most famous of you know the past 30 years law and order what's a thing that law and order does all the time cameos i feel like this i don't think it's actually a reference to that but I'm also not saying it might not be a reference to that.
1: We already know we're getting at least one other in a Marvel character, but I don't know, like Megan the stallion, if we're going to get anybody else from pop culture either. So who knows?
3: Martin short turns up next time and it turns out he's the murderer.
2: I was going to say, I hope that we do see more of Mallory book because you don't get someone like Renee Elise Goldsberry just for these little bit parts. I find it interesting that they've waited until the third episode to really even just let us see her that I'm hoping that she's given more to do in these last six episodes because the character and the relationship with Jen in the comics is really a goldmine for some quality stories. I just don't know how they're going to take all of that and put it into something that works unless they're planning for a second season. And this is just more of an introductory thing that we're getting all these characters together. We're going to start building relationships and then maybe in a second season we'll get a little more interplay and we can get into some of the more nitty gritty and play these characters off of each other.
1: Let's see which shows have been green lit for a second season. There's low key. There's what if I think that's it, unless I'm mistaken. So it's not guaranteed that these shows will get a second season. That's something to consider. Sometimes the story ends and it just goes into a movie. Some of these stories, as many people argue would be good for a movie anyway. And we've been talking about the pacing and the episode count and everything else along the way of maybe this should have been a movie or maybe this is how movies should be in the future. I don't know. But as far as she hulk getting a second season, I think it just depends on where they want to use the character in the future my take on it. All right. After the trial, she has an interview. She is given the idea from Emil eventually. I mean, everybody's telling her just to do it. And then finally, when the abomination says, well, maybe you need to control the story. She actually goes in. She does the interview. And it was interesting. It was just about, you know, what you would think about any
0: la news story right michelle uh this brought back this being in los angeles is bringing back here's the thing about the fourth wall breaking happening when jen's on the freeway i have been stuck on the 405 and there were times when i'm just i called my mom on the cell phone and she's like what are you what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm stuck on the four or five. Can you just talk to me for a little bit? And the little bit would turn into 10 minutes and then you'd move five inches. And so for me, when she was doing the fourth wall breaking, part of me was just like, Oh, I just think she's just stuck on the five or something. But the sensationalism of LA news, that part was so true. It doesn't matter if it's a tabloid show or the nightly news, the nightly news, is like that they are overdramatic because they have to compete with everybody and everything los angeles is huge when it comes to the regular news what are you going to report on there's just so much crime and other things that happen and one of the things about los angeles you have the regular news you have weather which is usually short because Oh, gee, there's another inversion happening in the San Fernando Valley and it's windy and cool at the beach. Back to you, Tom. There's also a traffic report, which is most of the time longer than the weather report because that traffic report is gold because that helps you know when you need to leave, when it will take you 30 minutes and when it'll take you two hours to go from the same distance. Just the way everyone looked, the picking up on one rumor, somebody saying one thing and somebody going, Oh, she was rumored to be dumped by the Avengers, somebody saying the mafia hit, which was the of course the allusion to her comic book origin. It just takes me back from being I lived there for 10 years. If you are wondering if it's that sensational and everything, yes, even the series, quote unquote serious news. Having an interview like that with Jen is believable.
3: I was thinking this as I was watching this. Do you think this is a reference to the press tour after Avengers where they kept asking the male cast members serious questions about their character? And then when it would go to Scarlett Johansson, it was, so tell us about your diet and exercise routine. And I remember then the male cast members would jump in and talk about their diet and exercise routines. And it was very nice of them. That's all I could think of while I was watching that.
2: Yeah. There's obviously a double standard when it comes to journalism and questioning of male celebrities and female celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. And men and women just in general in this country. So I think that was obviously a reference to that. Like yes. There's a, a serious story, but also, Jen, who are you wearing? You know, like that kind of thing because it seems like oh we're gonna we're gonna show that women can do some serious things, but also we want to get into the lighter stuff that they don't typically do with men or male characters, male actors, male celebrities, things of that nature. so it was just another instance of that double standard, and I think having a female showrunner and a largely female-led writing team is obviously responsible for this, to point out all of these things that I'm sure they have experienced with regularity in their their daily lives. And I think it's just further proof that we clearly need more diverse voices in these writing rooms and creators to get these additional
4: viewpoints. I'm just shocked that news would actually be like that. I would have sworn that this was completely overblown and somebody just being mad that they couldn't get an exclusive story, but they already had her booked. So they just went with something and hearing that this is real. My mind is seriously blown.
1: Yeah, they were, there's a couple other things that happen here in the media. First of all, she Hulk is rumored to be rejected by the Avengers, right? We know that didn't happen, but there was another rumor that is a little bit more important for the overall story.
4: She's having Abomination's baby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that baby bump as she's slumping down in the bar. Yeah. At the end, we get the crew that's going after her, obviously trying to get some of her blood. My question is who's the boss here? Who wants to get some of her blood? I think that's a bit of the story as we go forward. And also, we haven't seen any of Titiana lately, so you know what's going on with her? Is that connected or is this something separate? We got six episodes left. They've done more with less in other series, but I think they've set up multiple different directions to go. And there's really no singular way to go. But that fight was just like, okay, why are you even doing this?
2: They did the wrecking crew so dirty. They did my boys so dirty. The wrecking crew from the comics. Yes, The origin is, you know, a little odd that they all grabbed some Asgardian tech and that's how they became strong. But these, the Wrecking Crew collectively are on par with Thor in terms of strength and ability. And they made the Wrecking Crew out to just be a complete joke that they have the weapons and they have the power, but they have no idea what they're doing with them. And also they're not strong at all. And I was just like, I was so excited because I knew they have referenced the Wrecking Crew. We had seen set photos and various interviews and stuff. So I was like, okay, it's not Thor related, but the Wrecking Crew, there's still, I thought, would be a good instance of bringing them in so that Jen could fight them. And also possibly there'd be some legal ramifications there. But she just bodied them without a thought. Like, come on. The one guy got in like one good shot. I think that was it. Then the fight was over. And I was like, Man, you know, people complain that they nerfed Hulk in, like, the first episode when he was fighting Jen. They didn't nerf Hulk, as we said. He's not going to go all out against his cousin. They nerfed the hell out of the the wrecking crew, though, and I'm not
4: happy with that. Well, they also weren't really necessarily going in, caring if they won the fight or not. Like, I got the idea, I was with you, that, yeah, they should have been stronger, they should have had... More competent people, I guess is the best way to say it, going in there. But once they were trying to get blood with a needle like that, I knew it was either they're trying to inject her with something, or what it turned out being, trying to get blood. And I think maybe it could possibly be twisted around that they sent these specific people in because they knew that they could get blood, or at least thought they could get blood. And they weren't really caring if they won the fight or not, because that wasn't the important part.
3: They might not be the Wrecking Crew for very long, have been the Wrecking Crew for very long, considering that New Asgard is a relatively recent thing in the MCU. But I'm mostly familiar with them through, there was this Facebook Avengers game about 10 years ago where the Wrecking Crew were some of the first bosses that you meet. And they're portrayed there as Kind of silly because let's face it, the concept is kind of silly. I would like it if they show up again, maybe if we get a season two and they've leveled up, that would be kind of interesting to me. And again, we got six more episodes, so
1: we'll see.
2: I do remember that game. I think it was uh, Avengers Alliance.
3: I think so.
2: Yeah. It was a Facebook game. I spent a lot of time and a couple of bucks on it to upgrade characters.
1: All right. Engaging episode. I enjoyed it. The one issue, and I I said earlier on, we're going to touch on that and we have touched on the last two episodes. I feel the need to touch upon it again, just because it continues to be a part of the conversation, is the animation of She-Hulk herself. and I don't personally have an issue with it, but I know a lot of other people do. I at least want to Acknowledge the fact that people are having issues with the CGI.
3: I saw the funniest video on Twitter. I guess maybe yesterday or the day before. It was somebody complaining, and they had a clip of She Hulk, and then it, they're like, "Oh, this is so unnatural!" Blah blah blah. Okay, they had sports mode on their TV. You know when you're in that mode, and everything is just like wait, like the frame rate's too high, and the movements just look unnatural. You got to check your settings sometimes. I'm not saying that there aren't problems with the CG. I've talked about my problems with the CG, but that cracked me up.
1: It definitely, how you display it could have an effect on it. But I think these were the facial expressions as she talked, her eye movement as she's walking. I think those are the issues that are coming up. And I don't think that the people are being sexist when they're making these observations. I think they just expect a little bit more. And then I have to go back. And my retort is always, well, Hulk has improved since 2003, but it's almost 20 years since that. So you would think that the animation would have gotten better by now. Like I said, I don't have as much of an issue with it. I talked about it in the episode one. I don't think it's going to change I think if they use She-Hulk in the future, that it will definitely improve because it was a huge criticism of this so far in the first three episodes. I just don't think they have the time to go back and re-render anything. And if they do, it'll be so different that they will be complaints about, is this the same character or whatever? Maybe they'll make small improvements. I don't know. But I think that the story... And just the entertainment value is worth it for me to continue watching regardless of what I think of the CGI. And that's just my personal opinion. I think there is a lot of opinions out there right now about all these Marvel series. This one's been fun to watch, and I look forward to seeing it on Thursday nights, whether or not the CGI is there. Another thing is I don't play a heck of a lot of video games, so I'm not really into how real the video games are looking right now. And if you go back and you look at you know, the de-aging that has been done within the Marvel Universe itself, within Ant-Man or the Avengers movies, there's always been issues with it. But I think they've all been a little bit more lifelike than what we've been seeing with She-Hulk. So again, I just want to acknowledge it. I know a lot of people that I know that watch the show and also listen to this podcast have that as an issue. I just wanted to bring it up to acknowledge all the conversation that I've been hearing on it. All right. Last thoughts. We'll start with, let's just go around the horn top left. Michelle, what are your last thoughts?
0: This is fun. I too. am just, I'm hand waving the CGI and just going along with the flow.
4: This piece of fabric is a plot thread. I'm just going to drop it and we'll pick that up later. (laughs) My only question
2: is, I wonder if the situation with Wong and the abomination was discussed with Cretton and the the Shang-Chi team during that movie, or if this was a retcon that they just brought abomination in during Shang-Chi, but they didn't bother explaining how or why. And then She-Hulk said, oh, you know what? Let's take this and run
3: with it. So we've all known a few people like Dennis, right? just way too overconfident and you would absolutely believe they would get catfished by someone pretending to be someone so out of their league
2: oh absolutely i've i've known a fair amount of dennises in my time and for me it's always just been a personal joy to bring them down back to reality as much as possible regardless of whether or not they listen it's just fun Cause you can, you can hack away at them and they don't care, but it's cathartic.
3: I continue to believe that the MCU, if the MCU was real, the discovery network would just be doing gangbusters. Could you imagine all the potential for like the catfish show now that we have shapeshifters and psychics and stuff like that?
2: It opens up so much.
3: 90 day fiance, new Asgard.
1: I need that now. It's incredibly ironic that you bring that up because, of course, all the issues that Warner Brothers is having right now with the DC universe. And this is not a DC podcast, but Discovery and Warner Brothers, actually Discovery bought Warner Brothers. The name of the company is Warner Brothers Discovery, but Discovery bought Warner Brothers. So Discovery owns the DC universe. It'd be kind of fun just thinking in this universe, you know, what Discovery would be doing.
3: Probably
4: dropping the ball there, too. Yep. Married at first sight, New Asgard. R.I.P. Detective Comics Comics. Yeah.
1: All right. Anthony, to answer your question, at least pontificating, I think there's one or two, maybe three things that the Marvel Studios hands a movie or a showrunner for a TV and says, look, we need you to do these things to connect it to the big universe. I'm pretty sure that that was one of the things they might have not known how it was happening or whatever, but they were told, look, abomination is going to be stolen by Wong and you're going to have to deal with that in your show. So I think that's how that happened. But who knows if it actually happened that way or not? I guess
2: maybe somewhere along the lines, uh, an interview will pop up and we'll find that out.
1: They often do. All right, next time we will be talking about She-Hulk Attorney at Law, season one, episode four. Anthony will not be able to be with us that week, but he will return hopefully in two weeks.
2: Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll record a quick little sound bite and you can throw it in like Lauren did uh,
1: with the previous episode. We'll talk about it after the show. I've got some scheduling things to talk about with everybody anyway. In the meantime, let's talk about some news because there was a heck of a lot of it this week.
2: She-Hulk, attorney-in-law, head writer and producer Jessica Gao told The Direct that Marvel Studios has someone whose job it is to maintain continuity within MCU projects and ensure a cohesive timeline. So that kind of just answers my previous point. Uh, Gao mentioned this when asked about where She-Hulk falls in the MCU timeline, saying it's definitely after post-Endgame. There actually is a Marvel person whose job it is to trace the timeline of everything, and we checked with him a lot about where the timing is, and so it's like the show is a few years after Endgame.
1: I'm not surprised. I think a lot of IPs, even if they're just novelizations, actually have something that somebody that's looking at the continuity, that's looking at the timeline and specifically looking at story lines and plot lines that don't get dropped because there is so much going on. You have to pick stuff up as you go along. Like Emil Blonsky. This is the first time that we've seen Emil since 2008. What has he been doing? What's been going on? Well, he's been in prison the whole time, except for when he was taken out by Wong because Wong wanted a worthy opponent. How Wong figured that Abomination was a worthy opponent, I have no idea. But yes, I agree that a Timekeeper or a continuity manager is probably needed. I don't know if they have a continuity manager or not, but yes, Timekeeper definitely is needed. I'm glad they have that, especially since we still have to go through Loki Season 2. Not to mention what happened with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll just throw that out there.
4: How do you get that job, though? Because I want it.
1: You apply. You know what? Kevin Feige's on Twitter, right? So just reply to him or slip into his DMs. I want to be the timekeeper.
0: Don't slip into his
1: DMs.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how many good guests I've gotten by slipping into their DMs? Got one for the show. Anyway, Chris, talking about the
1: guests for this show, you have a story talking about some music.
4: During an appearance at the Steel City Con in Pennsylvania, X-Men 97 consultant Eric Lewald revealed Disney and Marvel Studios paid a what he called a heavy price for the rights and had to jump through a number of hurdles to get probably the most important thing for the new series ready to go. The X-Men The Animated Series theme song wasn't a done deal necessarily when they were producing the show, Lewald said. The rights were all over the place. I think a secondary person had the rights to the music, so it was a negotiation for them. Obviously, you can't do the new show without that song, but the guy selling it knew the same thing, so I'm sure it was a heavy price. That is definitely something he didn't say when he talked to us, but that is also something that he I think about got hit for from Julia.
1: <laughs> right there it's a con <laughs> Eric, what are you doing? So we covered the composer. We covered the music when we were taking on the earlier episodes of X-Men, the animated series. I actually do not know who owns the rights to that song because you had the studio, you had the individual in there. And apparently many, many composers have sued that studio Saban Entertainment about the rights to the music for those shows. So, Honestly, I don't know who owns the rights or if it's multiple people that earns the rights to the show or whatever happened there, but I'm glad that Disney did shell out for it and get the rights for the show. My question is since we've heard the theme in other properties, did they buy the whole thing or did they just buy the use for some specific instances? We're never going to know that, at least not now. Eric's probably going to be talked to by the Marvel snipers, I'm thinking, but We'll see if more information comes out about that. I'm still glad we got it.
4: A quick Google that I'm doing right now on who owns the rights just brings up a lot of stories about how Marvel got to the point where they were able to use the song. So looking for that is kind of useless at the moment.
0: My news is about Miss Marvel's clandestines in an interview with the direct Miss Marvel's VFX supervisor, Kevin, Yule revealed that the clandestines are 100% dead and that the FX team worked hard to make sure that the veil scene made it look like they were dying instead of going back to their world. Quote, as far as the crystallizing, that's another thing that had gone through so many versions. There was this decision that, for storytelling, they didn't want them to look like they were going back to their world. So if we broke them up, like hard light and they break up and they turn into these pretty little dots it almost looks like oh they made it so they're like no we got to make sure they look dead it's tough to do a shot like that and you worry about looking cartoony but that was for storytelling to say absolutely 100 percent they did not make what
1: i think the bigger question is what happened to their universe is Their universe still there, or was it completely because one of the things was one universe is is, is survive over the other, right? And they wanted their universe to survive. So did their universe not survive? I don't know.
0: I think it's still there. It's just they couldn't go back.
1: All right. There were other news stories, which we won't get into this week, but check the show notes. There's stuff about Haley Steinfeld returning. There's stuff about what's going on with the Thunderbolts and and, uh, Pew's Black Widow. There's stuff going on about the wardrobe for Ginger Gonzaga inside She-Hulk, which I know Lauren would love to talk about. So there's that and a few other news stories as well. So go check in the show notes if you need to be brought up on the week in Marvel. Meantime, we've got some feedback to talk about. So here we go. I think this was the first time that this form of feedback was used for us. So I just want to say thank you very much. They went to our Libsyn podcast page and she wrote us an email, a contact email. I just want to say thank you very much for that. Rosemary Frary responded to us and she said she was trying to help us get into Orphan Black. As I mentioned, I believe it was last podcast. That the seasons of Orphan Black, the only way we can get them in the United States is to buy them. And they're $25 a piece. And there are five seasons of them.
3: Aren't they streaming on Amazon Prime, though?
0: You have to buy them. Oh.
4: Yeah, I checked while we were recording. It's really bad.
1: Ooh. Right. And I want to see them because, of course, the star of Orphan Black is the star of She-Hulk. And I think she's doing an amazing job. I've always wanted to. I mean, I've heard good stuff about it, but I just never had the time to do it. And anyway, she said, try your public library for the DVDs. I found them at my library. What a great chance to go get them. Uh, if they're DVDs, they'll be, you know, the lower resolution. They won't be Blu-ray, but hey, at least you get to see them.
3: Just real quick tagging on there. Please utilize your public libraries if you can. Ask that they, if if they don't have a book that you like, ask that, like, you can put in a request that they order it you can put in a request for audiobooks, DVDs, Blu-rays, all of that. It helps them get funding and it helps authors get exposure and a little bit of kickback because of library fees, but please utilize your public library. I actually just renewed my whole not my hold, my reservation on a book that I'm currently reading about the discovery of the T-Rex and I've Forgot how much I love libraries because I actually didn't get around to going in Austin because of the plague.
1: When you read and reserve these books, are you reading and reserving physical copies or digital copies?
3: Both. I also have a self help one checked out that my therapist recommended to me. And that one I have a digital copy of. It used to be called Overdrive. Now it's called like Libby or something. And then the, the T-Rex book was a physical one because I went there to go get my library card, saw it, and was like, and I need this.
1: Well, I, again, am enjoying Tatiana Maslany in this show. I believe she won multiple awards, if I'm not mistaken, or at least one for Orphan Black. So
0: She won a lot of genre awards. Um, I'm still mad. One Emmy. One Emmy. And One it took, Emmy. It took lobbying for years. For us to be like, give this woman an Emmy. She earned it the first season, but I think it was the fourth season when it she was, finally. It was the last season. Yeah, fourth or fifth.
3: Yeah. And I, yes, I can recommend Orphan Black. I've actually done cosplay of a couple of Orphan Black characters. So, yes, I can highly recommend it. So thank you again, Rosemary. I do plan on
1: going to my library this week and just checking out if they have a selection of DVDs. I'm guessing they do. So we'll see how that turns out. All right. What should we do now,
0: folks? Well, I think we should pull a and open a portal and dip right on out.
1: Anthony, thank you so much for joining us this week. And, and no, you're not a parole expert or a criminal law expert, but your presence here had us very much assured as our special counsel. I appreciate
2: that. And uh, again, as long as you keep those uh, retainer checks coming in, I'll keep showing up. <laughs> I unfortunately will not be able to be here next week due to scheduling stuff. But uh, as I said, I will send along a a voicemail or or at least some kind of notes on my thoughts on it and uh as always you can follow us on our website capes on the couch capes on the com. we are on facebook instagram twitter and now tiktok at capes on the couch and we'll be recording new episodes and uh releasing later this month with new stuff
3: thanks to all of our listeners to everybody who gets a hold of us we love hearing your opinions on the show and thank you again For letting us know where to find Orphan Black, because I've been really wanting to do a rewatch.
0: Yes, thank you for listening to us, watching us, consuming our content. We know you have a busy day, and you can find me on Twitter at Shell underscore game.
4: Everybody that chooses to spend some of their time with us is just a wonderful new friend that we haven't met yet. And if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to playcomics.com where the next episode you get to hear me talking to Dennis Hopeless about hard eyes. Hopefully you've grabbed the first issue already, but if you haven't, they're probably going to have like five reprintings.
1: If you want to join us in our discussion of the episode, as it comes out, go ahead and join us on our discord server at com slash discord. All right. That's it for this week until next time. I'm director Sp.
0: I'm agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle.
1: I'm Agent Chris. And I'm Special Counsel Anthony. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. This episode is adjourned.
2: Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield or Gunna Geek. Agents of Shield is the property of the Disney Corporation Marvel Studios and ABC. No infringement
4: is intended.
2: Good morning, all you beautiful people, and Chris.
3: Hello, Anthony. (laughs) So it turns out that you cannot breathe Pepsi. Good to know. Yeah. Okay then.
1: I mean you yeah. only tried a little bit. You'd have to be in a tank and like try it over and over <laughs> again and <laughs> see if the,
3: Yeah, it's all like the abyss. See if
1: that carbonation will get in there.
0: We need that rat test like in the abyss. I was
2: literally just about to say that. That is real by the way. That stuff yeah. that that they that goo that they let the rat breathe that is real. It's
3: super oxygenated water, right? Or something. Mhm.
2: I forget what it is, and technically, it could work on humans, but but our lungs as adults, something about the capacity to expand and contract, it wouldn't work enough on a full-grown adult, but on a rat with a small enough body, it was able to work. I, fr- I read that somewhere. Also, why the hell hasn't that been released on 4K Blu-ray already? Right. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting. I don't know. Stop around with Avatar that nobody cares about and give me the abyss.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.